I'm Mara. I'm Kat. I'm Maite. I'm Andrew. I'm Nolan. I'm Justin. And, and this, this is Comics First. But anyway, you're listening to the Comics versus The Gifted After Show. I am your host, Comics First CEO, Justin Gilbert Alva. In case those of you who don't know my middle name, I was beat up for a lot for it in school, but now I'm reclaiming it. Hashtag reclaiming words I got beat up from. Hashtag The Gifted. Anyway, um, I am joined by many really amazing people. And of course, uh, if you listen to our Polaris podcast, you will remember Barnard film theory student Mara Danoff, who also studied under Paul Levitz at the Columbia University class, the American graphic novel. Hi, Mara. Hey, what's up? Thank you so much for being here. And uh, also, Andrew Rivera is here. Andrew is a comedian. Would you describe yourself as a comedian? Okay, I wouldn't, so that's why I was curious. And um, host of Comics versus Intellectual Property with Andrew Rivera, uh, which is coming up for its second season in November. Kat Vendetti, fellow podcaster, Marvel Comics section head at Comics versus here. Hi, Kat. Hey. And uh, Maite Molina, Wake Forest University student, computer science expert. So you can tell us about all the scientific things that go on here and let us know uh, if they're correct or not. Well, I don't know about expert, but I can try my best. You're, we're going to say that for today, so that's going to be the best part. Um, so yeah, so this podcast is about The Gifted, which is on Fox. The first episode just happened about uh, 24 minutes ago. It just concluded. We're all super hyped. But now people just say hype, right? Just one word, hype. I'm just hype. I'm not hyped. I'm mad hype. All right, Matt is coming back. I've been waiting since I was 1995. Um, all right, cool. So anyway, uh, this podcast is for Fox's The Gifted and X-Men movie and comics fans uh, who like to get a little deeper with their thoughts about the X-Men universe. So in case you're wondering, no, this doesn't make us any more mature per se, uh, but we will be talking about themes, motifs, and other trends in the storylines how they relate to X-Men comics and the X-Men mythos. We're going to be talking about what makes us laugh and what gives us the feels. And we'll also be talking about the artistry behind the script, the directing, uh, the acting, and all that kind of fun stuff. So right out of the gate, the show comes in strong pretty politically. It reminded me of the first two X-Men films. It kind of reminded me of like an updated version of the first Magneto, uh, of Magneto's first appearance in X-Men 1. Um, obviously an updated version. And do you think it was by accident or in purpose, or does it even matter that the show feels particularly poignant in this, uh, in the current political climate, let's say? Well, X-Men is inherently political already and the mutant metaphor extends so far. So whether, and I, I thought that the gifted did that really well utilizing that metaphor, whether it was kids coming out to their parents or people being pursued by the police just for who they are. So that being said, yeah, I thought it was incredibly poignant for this day and age, but that's what X-Men does best. Yeah, I totally agree with Kat. I think that it certainly was intentional, but it also aligns with various thematic elements of X-Men throughout comic book history and even in the films. So um, I was really happy to see that continue with the gifted in this first episode. Do you think if this was on like two or three years ago that it would seem as poignant as it was? Because when I was watching it, I was like, wow, this isn't particularly far-fetched. I do think it helps that given the current political climate and when it's choosing to come out, it certainly 
does read as more true as it might not have like a few years ago which is why like part like partially like the earlier x-men comics i don't think would have hit as strongly as say this one property is now just because like context is everything and now that we know that this is very much so still prevalent within our society or at least it's more prevalent to people who might not have been as aware of it it definitely certainly it just helps a lot i definitely think if this had come out a few years ago, obviously it would not have the same poignancy as it was. So with that, like going back to our previous state, our previous question, it was definitely something that was intentional. I think meant to drive a more specific and significant connection with the audiences, something that'll allow them to identify with these characters in a way. And I'd allow them to identify their situations with the world and what's really happening in their reality in our reality. Yeah, I mean, when I watched it, I was like, this shit is all too real. I, I don't know. Does anyone else feel that way? Like, it was it was realer to me than a lot of other things. Definitely felt that with, like, the scenes for the two kids. Um, like, just this, especially with um, the bullying, which I know we'll touch on more later. But, like, Jesus, that poor guy. Like, what did he ever do? He just is, like, a scrawny 14-year-old. <laughs> I know his existence is hard by nature, but don't make it worse. How strong did you guys think the acting was in the series? Um, I like the kids. I thought the kids were really great. Um, I thought they had a lot of chemistry. I love that. Uh, I, I love everything they're doing. Uh, the mutants, I think I need to see a little bit more of to really gauge that. Right now, they're just kind of hitting that average line. Uh, dislike the parents across the board. The mother seems very like one-dimensional in terms of her character. And maybe you know that doesn't really do much for what I'm saying about the actress because that could just be her. She just seems like... She's ri- like rigid and stuff, and the father's face doesn't move, uh, which bothers me. Yeah, we talked about this before. I disagree. I think the mother for me, I do. Th- I think it's more of an issue of writing and directing, only because I've seen that actor in so many other roles. And the father for me, I, I, he's quiet and still, and I'm kind of curious what it's building up to. I haven't seen his third act acting yet, you know? Yeah, um, no, I pretty much agree with Andrew on this one. The kids, to me, would be like, why would I would continue watching if the kids were like even if they were just like on the road being small mutant children like i would i thought that they were compelling enough that i would be interested to see where they go with that um and i actually i think that laura dane will do well lorna Um, lorna i'm i'm bad with words i know i'm terrible it's it's late (laughs) um and i'm really excited to see um what this actress can do because just even like judging from the preview that they showed at the end of the episode i felt like she working off um the father that will be really good and i feel like we'll get to see more range of his acting and not just him being like a worried dad what did you think about her uh emotional moment when he showed her the picture that was really interesting i mean i was definitely confused because i'm like why we what why are you freaking out like what's going on and i was curious enough to see how it goes when that's to me where i saw more of like the comic book lorna like she wasn't as in control of her emotions she was getting like really out there but at the same time i do think that's a good starting point for her character development later on in the series i agree i was pleasantly surprised by the performance of the kids um i've seen steven moyer in true blood so i was kind of expecting a little bit more from him but i think that's also the character he's playing right now so i'll give him the benefit of a doubt that um i'm curious to see how emma dumont grows as as an actress in uh polaris's character development i wasn't necessarily blown away, but I definitely don't think she was given as much to do as I was expecting. 
again, it's the pilot, so I guess we'll see. Uh, with that, I also really like Jamie Chung's performance. Um, I've seen her in some other stuff, so that was really exciting. So, I also loved the uh, younger mutant characters. One of my favorite thing about X-Men or really any superhero story is the younger characters just learning how to use their powers and kind of going through that inner turmoil of learning how to use these new abilities. And I thought a lot of the younger actors did that very well. I really love Jamie Chung and her um, opening appearance when she was trying to open up her portal. I, I loved him in those moments when he was facing the bullies because I, I feel like bullies are some of the scariest antagonists in any sort of fiction. And so just their reactions just kind of coming into this new identity and that struggle. I thought it was very well done. I also really loved uh, Lorna Dane's performance, Emma Dumont. Um, I don't know if it was intentional for her characterization, but I thought a lot of her choices were very on point with who Lorna Dane is in the comics. It was, it felt very true to her, more of those troubled aspects of her identity. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think if anyone wants to know more about that, you know, which podcast you should, you should listen to, it was our last one and it was a good, good hour and a half on Polaris. You guys can read the whole transcript on comicsverse.com. Briefly shout out Jamie Chung for the glow up from the real world. Like she's been in like a whole bunch of shows and movies uh so shout outs to her shout outs to cat vendetti for being an adult that's scared of bullies <laughs> but uh i i i think that steven moyer and um and amy acker who play the parents i don't think they had much personality in fact i mean i mean not personality chemistry uh in fact i thought that uh that blink and thunderbird in that brief scene they had had way too much chemistry because she he was like why didn't you tell me anything it's like dude she doesn't know you and but they were just so active and focused on each other, where it feels like the the parents' characters are they they feel very distant almost. And I don't know. Again, I don't know if that's the writing, if that develops after the pilot. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. And then just for the more positive chemistry aspect, I know this was touched on, but like just to emphasize it some more, um, Natalie Allen and Percy Hines, the Lauren Stryker and Andy Stryker, Strucker, God, their last names are going to drive me crazy. Um, specifically are i just felt like their chemistry was so on point and especially um the older sister really just taking care of the younger brother like i love it when siblings actually get along in media and like aren't fighting and are like you know genuinely caring for each other which like i just i know that we brought this up before and i'll let andrew say the line just because it it was a good line but (laughs) it was what was it something about like he she, was yeah he was nervous and she was like and she taught like she taught him how to swim and she'll yeah. teach him she'll teach him how to control his powers as well and that was just a very like oh, i love you guys moment like my babies are growing up it's very relatable too because your older siblings will teach you stuff like that and it's just like there's no because she's been doing this for three years she knows everything he's going through and instead of just having them bicker this is like it made it feel the situation at hand feel way more real that she's putting all that teenage shit to the side and being like, look, I got you. You're, yeah. you're my guy now. When she went, she even like was super hyper aware of him, like during the entire dance scene, wanting to go back and get him. Like, I was so happy that she wasn't ditching him for like that random guy on her arm. She's like, no, my brother's more important to me. I'm going to go get him and that love was not returned when he told her not to get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> So Kat brought up bullying earlier, and I thought that was a, a big part of the show. Um, 
What did you think about the depiction of bullying and the gifted? I remember Smallville, if you guys remember the first first uh, episode, had a very similar scene. Well, sort of a similar scene. I mean, it's just that he got bullied. Uh, this felt a bit more real to me. So what did y'all think? See, instances of bullying that I was most familiar with, like since I went to a much more like controlled environment school, that we would do it more psychologically to each other, like when it was done. So we didn't actually drag any kids to a shower, but the fact that he is a young actor, I feel like made it more realistic to me. If it were like if it were like the Smallville example where he's like a twenty something playing a high schooler, I probably would have been like, okay. He wishes he was twenty something. <laughs> then it's then it's like it's very different, but seeing like a kid go through that, like that is sort of like, oh my god, this poor child, how like kids are the worst. How could they do this to one another sort of thing? If you recall in Smallville, they tied him up to a, they tied him up to a like a scarecrow thing, uh, and uh, and so that to me was you know that's that's a vast difference. But just bullying now is a bigger deal, I think, than it than it was, I guess, publicly. Now it's like a huge thing where you know it's getting really far. And like I think what's interesting is that in this, and it might be a Brian Singer choice. Um, and it might be violent because it is the X-Men, and so you want to see a little bit more of that. Uh, I think that bullying differs now because, as Mara said, it's way more psychological. It's it's more online. You know, it's not that they're getting you at school anymore. It's that they're getting you at home, you know, and they're chasing you there, and they can access you at any point they want. Um, and so we didn't see that, actually, on the show. And I don't think you'll be able to, considering that, you know, they're on the road now and they're going to do that. Um, so I thought it was a little bit 80s in the style of the type of bullying it was. It was a little bit unrelatable to me, but I think I understood why they did that, why they decided to show violence against, you know, people. It definitely felt real to me. I think I, I, I agree with everything that you guys said about it being it, bullying, taking on a different dimension, kind of in today's world, being able to be reached at any moment. But I do think it's important that they included it in The Gifted because it's such a huge part of the X-Men mythos. It's such a huge part of um, the mutant experience in X-Men. I was watching a promotional video about The Gifted. One of the creators said the mutant underground base was essentially, <clears throat> well, it was is a metaphor really for the underground railroad in America. What did you think about that? And do you think that the show was successful in creating that, you know, in the pilot? Because, you know, we, we've ideally got several seasons to see this fold out. Well, I think it's as you say. Um, I think that has yet to be determined. I think that's one of those things where it's like, it's it's something that they told him in a pitch, you know, when they were like trying to sell him the show. Because like, a, and, and that happens on a lot of TV shows and films where you see actors and it kind of sounds like they're reading off a press kit where it's like, oh yeah, the, the, the setting on this show, the setting's like a character in its own, you know? It's like one of those like things where it's like, that's a very shallow... Uh, connection right now you know as time goes on we may see that develop further but as far as we know the only thing that is truly connected is that it's underground there are these ideas of trying to get people back to them and things like that but I think it's I personally think it's a stretch for what we've seen and I hope that if they do continue to go down that tunnel uh, not road but uh, that that it, that that idea is fleshed out a little bit more but I, I doubt it honestly to to be real. You don't think that they'll ever achieve it? No, because I think that that's something that you say to lure people in as opposed to, I think it takes a lot more work to get that done right 
And at the first sign of that not being done well, kind of like on shows like Gotham where they say, we're not going to do Batman. But when they see that Batman is what people want, they start deviating that way. You know, so I don't I don't I think that's a very just a connection, a buzzword that they want to get people with because they have so many other connections to what's happening in the world now that they could develop. They could. I think that I mean, I would like for it to get to that point. And if I have if there were any superhero property, I would hope to get to that point. It would be X-Men. I mean, it could be something that they go off of in future installments. But at the same time, I can see it being a concept that they initially wanted to put in the show, but then they kind of deviate and explore other aspects of the series i don't really see it being a primary focus per se at least based on this episode um but again we'll see how the season progresses i thought one of the strongest themes in the show was family do you guys agree with that i think i think part of what makes x-men so fun you know just from and and i'm not you know the biggest x-men comic fan but just like the tv show and and i read ultimate x-men a lot i think the x-men work best when it's kind of like that, you know, like you see you see that family aspect of like we all understand each other, we're all gonna look out each other. Like even when Wolverine and, and Cyclops beef over stuff, they're still like that at the end of the day I have your back stuff. Going off of what we said about the acting earlier, I was really impressed with Andy and Lauren's exemplification of the family uh bond and the chemistry. I was expecting that more from the parents, especially with their reaction to discovering that they're children or mutants um i thought we were going to get a little bit more from that revelation and uh of course you know they reacted in a way where they were protective and were trying to assess the situation but i was more impressed with the way the children uh handled that situation but with that i hope that the family aspect of the series doesn't really fall into a cliche and get too cheesy yeah no i actually be okay if it does go soapy because i like my soaps like i'm i am i'm there for that drama like just just take me just i'll I'll be there man just anyway so um i think my definitely took the words right out of my mouth in terms of the the kids like i cannot wait to hear like see their family dynamic develop between the two of them um i do want to see more of the parents though if we are talking about just the sheer biological family um and then getting into the mutants later i feel like right now at least like the parents are there but they're not like present per se like they it doesn't seem like they fully like the mom especially fully grasp like what their kids might be going through right now and how like yes it is important for you to like get them to safety but they also need to learn how to control their powers and they need to know that it's okay that they have these powers they're not any different than what they were before and just like general emotional support i prefer the camaraderie among fellow mutants than i do with mutants and their parents who are learning that their kids are mutants um i think that the siblings played off each other really well in sticking around for each other and trying to help each other through their powers and I think that it's, it was mentioned earlier that it's a, a really big aspect of the X-Men that being a mutant is kind of like being a part of this family. And I could see it happening already with the cast that was introduced in this first episode. And I enjoyed it um, much more than I did um, with the kids with their parents. I'm not tremendously looking forward to the, to the parents. And I think, in fact, they are splitting them up because in the preview for the for like the for the rest of the season you see the mother like say goodbye to the kids and she's like you guys have to go on your own and the father's obviously going to be like in prison or whatever camp they put him in so i think that'll be the way they develop those characters a little bit stronger and i think that family aspect will will come back when they're all back together 
um, I think that would make that bond a lot stronger. Um, and I also didn't like uh, going back to, to the father a little bit. I didn't like that line where he said, uh, you know, I would do anything for my family. It's like, your family is right in front of you. Just say, I would do anything for you. You know what I mean? Like little stuff like that, it kind of like takes you out of like the family aspect. Like that's something you say when you're talking about your family, not when you're sitting in front of them, you know? And that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's sort of removed and distant. Um, and I don't anticipate uh, m much of the mother and father getting better because they don't know each other at all is what I'm saying. I think they just married last week is based on the chemistry. <laughs> I wonder if... Uh that Amy Acker's character, Caitlin, will have an arc that was supposed to be Kim Dickens' arc on Fear the Walking Dead, where she just sort of like becomes this, uh, has this evolution from like a suburban house mom to this utter near apocalyptic uh, badass. They're very uh, cookie cutter in the sense of he's like, I'm going to protect my family. And she's like, don't touch my kids. I'm, don't ask me questions. Tell me what I'm going to do. What's going on? I love everybody. You know, it's like... If we if we take it down a little bit, and then at the same token, I don't like because of what you're saying. Like I've seen you've seen that on The Walking Dead. We've seen that where like there's this character that seems kind of like I don't really belong here. I shouldn't survive. And then by season three, everybody's gonna get powers at some point. I guarantee it. But by season three, you know she's gonna be crushing the skulls of like sentinel robot. You know, like I I would like to see what you're talking about. Maybe um maybe in a way that retains the emotionality of the character a little bit. Absolutely. What did you guys think about the powers? I remember reading that the son's powers, Andy Strucker's powers were, you're supposed to, they're supposed to be ambiguous. You're not exactly supposed to know what they are, or how they work yet. What do you guys think about that? Cause we typically know sort of exactly what every character's powers are, right? I, I feel like every time before I started reading an X-Men comic, even as a kid, even before you could look these things up on the internet that, you know, I knew Cyclops was the guy who shot lasers from his eyes and this was the psychic one. And that was the teleporter. Uh, did you guys have any thoughts about having a character's powers be uh, ambiguous and ambiguous on, pur on purpose, not like apocalypse and X-Men apocalypse Mara? I mean, honestly, if it's the best with the character that he is right now, he doesn't know how to control his powers. He doesn't. He all he knows is that he gets very, very angry and stuff happens. And I feel like that just it's so far that fits best with how he is in his like just development stage of the, how he uses his powers. If he can tap into the emotions that I feel like control them a bit better, and if he can just sort of learn how to use them without getting angry he will get a better definition of what type of powers he has i think i personally just to like throw my hat in the ring i'm guessing it's a type of telekinesis but i mean we, we can't know that because he just seems to like push things really good yeah, I think it works really well for his character because he's one of the younger ones. He's just learning that he has this mutant ability. He seems very emotionally vulnerable and sensitive and not very in control of his emotions. So I think that with his powers being ambiguous and as Mara said, being sort of tied to his emotions in that way, I think it's going to play a role in his character arc and his character development. So I'm really interested in seeing just how powerful he's going to get. Uh, my favorite power so far is um, is Lauren's power, which is interesting. Lorna. Lorna. I'm so, no, no, Lauren. 
No? Oh. Lauren Strucker. Oh, just kidding. Sorry. No, I like Lorna too, and I was a little confused in her freak out if she could pull the computer out of the thing, why she couldn't just kill everybody right then. She could have, she said. Uh, she chose not to. She chose not to? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I just think if you're going to lose it shit then, then it's like got to be all the way. And I did appreciate the, um, and Brian Singer directed this episode uh, and directed, I'm assu- I think he directed the next episode as well. Um, I mean, I love the kind of homage to uh, Magneto when all the cars are facing and she kind of pushes them or, or she like blows all the lights out. That's like when they're at Bobby's house in X and X two or X one, I forget. Uh, and then there was another Magneto mention. That whole prison thing is all Magneto stuff. Um, and my favorite power is Lauren Strucker's powers. And that's interesting to me because I didn't really appreciate Sue Storm that much. And you were saying that they were like, it's way more like Sue Storm with the force fields and stuff like that. And I understand she can bend stuff in different ways, like, and do it with water and all that, but just the way they're using it now. Uh, and then as it stands, I think the effects in this, in this show are better than the effects in many of the films that we've seen, uh, with the exception of Nightcrawler, uh, which was amazing. And lastly, I would say regarding all the powers on this show, I'm really, really interested to see two things. If they can keep up the budget, and keep these things looking as good as they are without practice. Like the practical effects are nice, but eventually it's it might just be just pushing stuff like an Agents of Shield, where it's like, oh, that's gonna go to the left, that's gonna go to the right, somebody's gonna fly. Um, and it, it can only go so long until everything looks like charmed. And the second thing is, who takes the role of the Professor X uh, character as the X Men are gone, and who teaches these people how to use their powers, how to how to really you know level up? But is that the story that there is no Professor X, there is no X Men? Like, how do they survive in a world where no one's going to come to help them? Yeah, but Blink is only going to be allowed to struggle opening that force field for so long. Eventually, and they talked about it where they're like, you know, now it's going to be like this thing in the preview. Uh, Thunderbird is like you know, this is different now. Like now it's no longer just about one thing. Now it's something else entirely. There's robots that are going to rip them apart like the Terminator, you know? So the stakes are going to get higher and they're going to have to be better. So somebody's going to have to do that training. You know, that's that's what I'm thinking at least. I was just going to throw in an upvote for Blink's teleportation abilities because I think that'd be really, really cool. Can I just second that upvote for Blink's teleportation abilities? If only because like, just pure visuals they looked so freaking awesome like that cool like purple energy and then a huge like big old hole in the universe like i'm here for that that's so cool i and also that way you're never late to class ever i just love that there's this character in the comics that was killed off and became such a cult classic in uh age of apocalypse is getting her due on screen because i I felt like you know days of future past she didn't really have as big of a role as she could have. So it was great to see her. Hopefully she'll get her due on the series. I'm wondering if they will kill her off eventually. That shit is not cheap to be to to do that on TV. You know, so if they kill her off or they write that they write something where she loses her power or something. Like if the show doesn't do as well as they want it to, you know, that could be something they do. And it would be it would be a nightmare because I think that that's going to be one I I have her pegged as like a standout on the series which again shout out to Jamie Chung cuz that would be dope for her um but i'm i'm very interested to see how they keep doing that like how much screen time she's going to get because again these powers aren't cheap to produce there's a reason why like netflix has the heroes they have with the but cuz you could make somebody once said you could make those shows for a bus fare you know um Jessica Jones not really she's just kicking a desk and you know Luke Cage just picks it up but these are real powers that look really, really good. And I'm wondering if that's because Brian Singer's directing the first two episodes and that's why it looks really good. Um, 
that being said, uh, these powers look way better than ABC's The Inhumans. <laughs> so I'm very excited to see how they keep going with it. Shall I dare ask us to compare and contrast this to ABC's The Inhumans? I haven't seen it, and I wouldn't watch it if you paid me. Yeah, I think that's enough said. Just off the commercial. This is better. And their dog doesn't teleport on Gifted, but they have a dog. So shout-outs to the dog. Can we get some love for the dog? Jamie Chun cut its its toy in half. Oh, but she it. fixed it. Best, best moment of, this, of the episode. <laughs> yeah, and the point is that she fixed it. When you make a mistake and you cut off your friend's dog's toy in half when teleporting them to a different dimension put it back together well that's the old saying too never uh cut your squeaky toy to spite your face i have never heard that but now <laughs> i'm gonna um internalize that and make it part of my life forever okay um so speaking about beautiful special effects let's talk about thunderbird and then let's talk about his powers get it yeah okay that really wasn't funny um <laughs> but yeah anyway I, I i have mixed thoughts on his powers although they did seem cool ah oh my god we have a special guest shout out to nolan nolan you're here you're like this is like bill maher and you're like the third guest coming in at the end all right so the question that we're, we're talking about thunderbird his physical beauty as well as the way his powers work he looks a lot like the character in the comics he does his facial features and you know what's interesting is that both Blink and Thunderbird die right after they're created. So I don't know if you guys know, but uh, Thunderbird is the is the first X-Men to die in X-Men 95, only OG issue. Yeah, so on just on the topic of Thunderbird's powers, I don't know much about Thunderbird aside from the fact that he was the first X-Men to die. Like, that I knew for some reason. Um, and I was really confused. Was it coming out of his tattoo? Because, like, the... <laughs> We talked about this a little bit uh, before we came on here. It was like it's it, for some reason there's a shot that implies that like he's able to see like all of these things because of his tattoo. And I I just as like a ignorant viewer was very confused by that. It it was a bad transition uh, that was trying to avoid what I believe is the just focusing on the character's face and watch their eyeballs roll under their eyelids and like. You know, they were trying to do something different, but to focus on the tattoo, like, again, it felt like, oh, he has this tattoo that imply like, that gives him these powers almost. He also has a Semper Fi tattoo on the other one, and I don't know if that makes him, like, you know, super military or something. I mean, that's obviously a play into his combat or something like that and things that he does, but that was very weird. Um and he, he didn't get a bunch of screen time anyway. Uh, I, I think what you're saying about him looking gorgeous is uh, is on point, uh, probably because, you know, with the exception of the children, I'd like to sleep with everybody on that show. Uh, they're all very good looking. Um, so, you know, let's keep the X-Men beautiful, I guess. And uh, and and Thunderbird is, I'm sure he'll be, he looks like he's going to take on the role of the leader in the absence of, um, of Eclipse. And even in that, I don't know if they have a leader. You know, I think that they're kind of just, I think that him giving that speech of like, we have to get a little bit more organized and a little bit more serious because I've seen what they've got against us. I think now we're going to start to get more of that X-Men, that team, that group uh, as things proceed. And I think Thunderbird will be the leader of that, which could still, again, put him up as a nomination to die at some point. I wouldn't be surprised if the mother became the leader at some point. Ooh. I didn't even think about that. Let me give you your quick introduction, which is 
Nolan, PhD student at Columbia University, studying first half of the early modern Ming Dynasty. So right out of the gate, the show comes in. It's really political. Um, kind of reminds you of the first two X-Men films. Brian Singer directed it. I didn't. I for, totally forgot that until just now. Um, so do you think, either by accident or, or on purpose, the show is particularly poignant given the current political climate in, in the United States? On purpose. You know, they mentioned the Patriot Act by name. Uh, you know, it's reminiscent of the deportations that are happening right now you know, with ICE being much more empowered than it has been in recent years. I think it's Because, you know, everybody, everybody, every screenwriter and musician who's not alt-right all think about Trump, right? So, so they kind of can't not. Like, they all, they would be embarrassed if they weren't trying to do at least a little something about Trump. What did you think about the acting? Good or bad? Good. Better than I expected, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I like James a lot. Or John or James? Which one is it? Oh, John. John. James is in the movie. John. Yes. Yeah, yeah. James is rebellious brother, right? Cool. So what about um, the... They're, they're trying to say that the, the underground mutant stuff is a like metaphor for the underground railroad. What do you think about that? Uh, it makes sense. I mean, it's not the underground world only. There's just been a million organizations in modern world history that have been smuggling people across borders. Uh, I frankly did not expect the dad to immediately drop all his professional responsibilities and what he sees as his like civil responsibilities in favor of his children. You know, it does try to portray him as like a nicer guy in the scene in which he interrogates Lorna. So you can imagine that his like um, his job of policing this minority is not just like a matter of tribalism, is not just about like in-group loyalty to non-mutants. But uh, then again, it's also very tribal how he is like so, you know, it's, it's also much more different from heroes than I expected. How, how he's just like, oh, well, our life is over now. Let's go to Mexico. Quite a bit different. Canada, like uh not canada like in logan i was i was ready to go to mexico i would rather go to mexico it's warmer you can get a tan um and i think that's really, that's really important um all right did we talk about minority representation in the gifted we, let's talk about it um he looked at me <laughs> yeah it was dope uh, they said his name was Marcos right at the open, and I really appreciated that. I re I'm glad it's not like Glenn or something that's like not, you know, a slightly ethnic. It's Marcos Diaz. Um, I, th I appreciate that off jump just because you never see uh, Latino people uh, too much on screen, um, unless it's Sofia Vergara being a straight up clown. I don't um, know. If, I don't know if he's Latino. I think he's like British and like part Indian or something. Well, then he's pulling it off. He's I pulling it off. Tell you that. Yeah. Uh, his let's see what's his name on the on the sheet it's um it's sean teal which well, that's I, disappointing yeah i haven't i haven't come but, across that in, in <laughs> very much but you never know he's he's a brown guy you know we've been we've been interplaying all those roles against each other all the time so you know what we're gonna let him slide um damn that's just disappointing shout outs jamie chung again is what i'll say on that uh jamie chung you know just minorities on screen there was like three at the same time you know, uh, Polaris was the was the minority, quote unquote, in that scene. Um, so that's dope. Uh, the family's all lives matter looking. -y. 
uh, and all white. But what are you going to do? You got to have a nice, wholesome looking family. Uh, and and yeah, his partner, uh, the, the dad's partner is black. Uh, so that's nice. So, you know, it's kind of looking real. My first impression of The Gifted when I saw the trailers was just of the siblings and their parents. I was I just saw the family. I didn't really see the other members of the cast that were going to be part of the show. So it didn't really strike a chord with me. The fact that they included a more diverse cast of mutant characters, I thought was amazing because, number one, you don't see that often in media already. And number two, for any property to do that, if they were to go with a almost primarily white cast for X-Men, it just wouldn't have been authentic in any sense of any part of life. Jamie Chung really, honestly, like, same here. Seriously, what a strong performance. <laughs> honestly, I'm, I'm like, about ready to start a fan club for just her and this character. That was really good stuff. But I feel like I know that we touched upon this, but I feel like it is important to stress that the uh, the advertising for this was a bit misleading and you still see mostly like the white like family and i know like it is a play on the whole like perfect like two and a half kids like golden retriever white picket fence type deal like the people who you wouldn't expect but at the same time like since it is the mutants and since it is the x-men in particular i feel like in a way you should emphasize the diversity more just because like if you know the x-men property you know that's what the metaphor is implying and you know that's what you should come to expect and i feel like that's what fans would want and i just want to say i love that there is a native american actor playing a native american role because i very very rarely see that so nolan actually i'm so glad you spoke because i was going to talk about philip k dick and i know you're a big fan of his writing um, in case you guys don't know who Philip K. Dick is, uh, he's a writer of some great science fiction novels. He's also uh, he also wrote Man in High Castle, which is now an Amazon show. Uh, so season three is supposed to be coming on around December. It is a really really good show, so I highly recommend it. But Philip K. Dick is super famous for doing a lot of things, and one of the things he does that he's really famous for is he focuses on what it's like for the average person while all these large political things are going on. So in this world of mutants, they really focus on this family. They're not focusing on the X-Men. They're not focusing on the brotherhood. They're not focusing on the president. They're not focusing on the 1%. They're focusing on this family, how they're dealing with the mutant underground, whatever. Um, And do you think that that, first of all, fits into the whole kind of Philip K. Dick paradigm? And do you think that this furthers the uh, X-Men universe created by Fox. Well, to use a comic book term, I think Philip K. Dick's best fiction is all at the street level, you know, uh, and that so is this show, clearly. It's a good budget decision, and it's probably part of the reason it's a TV show and not a movie. But uh, Philip K. Dick has some, like, space stuff that I as his uh, street-level fiction, like... Um, Man in the High Castle is written that way. And um, uh, Scanner Darkly, if anyone's ever seen the movie, is one of his, my favorite works by him. And, and well, that of course lends itself to mutant stuff is he was literally paranoid. Um, he had some like serious men, okay, Dick, and he kind of like used them to portray uh, like evil organizations quite well. And like what it's like to be oppressed or on the run. Yeah. So just from a sheer like universe 
standpoint of like where would this be taking place within relationship to like how we understand alternate universes within the comics and how we understand the marvel universe as a whole i was kind of seeing it and i don't have any evidence for this but just upon like thinking of this question it's almost like that alternate like dark timeline that we see in like days of future past and all that sort of stuff not necessarily at the point of when days of future past takes place but like right before it gets really bad because the fact that there's no professor xavier the fact that they are attempting to set up a mutant underground railroad implies to me that the sentinels are going to be a huge huge threat and that they really need to be like watching their backs for that as far as what fox does in, in terms of continuity in, in the films and things like that they just they, i don't think they give a shit, honestly like it's so like it's so scrambled it's it's very like you have different actors playing the same uh, characters characters come back or something like that the timelines don't really mesh up that well there'll be somebody that dies that comes back in a later movie without any sort of explanation um and so i don't i don't know if that's I don't. I think that it's kind of vague in that aspect, where it seems like it's like before that whole days of future past stuff and all that. Um, but again, it's strange because I don't think they'll have the budget to go full Sentinel. So I think you're going to see a lot of those things, like those rolling spider things, or you know, uh, the fact that the Sentinels like they're represented by kind of uh, authoritative figures like cops and things like that. So I think it'll be like that level, like Nolan was talking about street level stuff. And that'll be how the Sentinels are represented until like a season finale or something. And they'll do like a long shot of like, you know, that's where you put the money in uh, just in terms of television and stuff like that. And as far as Philip K. Dick, I know nothing about it, but I just realized that he is um, who Luke on Gilmore Girls was talking about when he lies to his girlfriend's dad saying that he reads and he's like, Dick, a sci-fi guy. And the father says, of course, I'll pull up Dick on the internet and see what comes up. So, Two things that, x-men tends to do that are some of my favorite aspects of x-men is and i talked about this a little bit earlier is one the mutant metaphor which extends so far and two younger mutants just discovering that they're mutants and learning how to use their powers and learning that this is the sphere in the world that they're going to be entering now and what do they do with that and i think the show utilized both of those together extremely well i think at the same time if because it's the pilot and everything you get a little bit more of that i'd be interested to see if that can sustain itself because the whole thunderbird thing things like that like uh, let's remember this is still fox you know um you they, guys are saying that like it's a bad thing no like, but they're scared they're scared to no, pull they're, the trigger they're a network television show no, they're controlled by the fcc but like beyond that they're scared to pull the trigger on being too comic booky you know like there's no reason why the x-men from the first movie should not have had the yellow spandex you know like like they did in days of in in, uh, in first class i like, totally disagree there was there were no superhero movies before that and for like a no decade. superheroes movies before no, that for, superman for, batman I for mean, over a decade but still i mean that's that's when you do it right like this is you set a, you set a precedence and like you know you you have to you have to be bold enough to do like this is what we talk about when you're scared about 
getting the IP and having somebody rip the soul out from it. Like you don't need you don't need the costumes to make it that way. But I think as we go on, this season will be more X Men Fox Century universe than it is the comic books. And I think that you get that from the Stanley cameo. I think that you get that from the Wolverine that's behind the father and Eclipse, the picture of the Wolverine at the restaurant that they meet at. Um, and just the little the, the little things they're doing in terms of like that bar being like an X bar. I'd I'd really like it if at some point they find like old costumes from the X Men. Just do stuff like that. That kind of gives you a little bit more shout outs and stuff. Um, but I I think my prediction is it will be more X Men movie universe, which while based on the X Men comics is a little bit more diluted. Um, but then again, I could be wrong because Logan was it felt very much more of a comic book than what they were giving us before. I very much disagree with I think every word that came out of her mouth. Starting from, I think it was I don't think it was not brave for them not to put them in 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 costumes in two thousand. I think it was brave for them to make them more human because that's what I wanted from them. And for me, so as someone who's been a reader, you know, for his whole life, the, my favorite moments in X Men are the times when they're not in costume, when they're caught off guard, having these like great moments like with their powers and um, and I think that. I, I think that it would even to me it would putting them in costume gets more people uh, in the comics to like them. I, and uh, to me, I thought it was a more daring role. But I think who knows, right? Nick, neither of us are there. That being said, <clears throat> that being said, um, I did read that there will never be costumes in the series from the person. But I, I like that. Just speaking from like how it's framed, um, and from my limited knowledge of like filmmaking from being forced to take those types of classes for my major the way that they chose to use color schemes i felt was very reminiscent of comic books in and of themselves like i noticed that they were using a lot of very dramatic like colors when they were either outside or like they'll bathe a character's like face in like a yellow light or something and just get very into like how various shots would be framed and how they would be situated all around one another that to me i'm just screaming this is how a comic book would look on tv this is how it's supposed to be like oh the dramatic lighting from the uh the cop cars coming in like when they're like in that garage like that's what a comic book looks like on panel and that's what it would look like on screen uh, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I hope that this the show kind of bridges that gap and has people who are, because it really is a matter of taste, right? How do you like your superheroes? Lighter and in costumes or darker and crying all the time? I, I'm a miserable mother So for me, um, sad and crying all the time. Cat. I agree with Andrew. I really do love the costumes. And I feel like a criticism I hear with various superhero movies is that sometimes it seems like they're ashamed of being superhero movies. So they kind of hide that fact. And I <laughs> loved the moment in X-Men Apocalypse when they all showed up in costume at the end. It's, I, I love feeling like I'm watching a superhero movie and I love knowing that superheroes can be in movies and people know that you know this stemmed from these goofy little picture books that have been around for so many decades and they still have such a powerful impact on people and they can still tell these stories about family and about acceptance. But wait, are you talking about, you and Andrew talking about the same thing? Because isn't, because you're specifically talking about like the bright colored costumes. You did not like the black costumes. No, but it, I don't. I don't like the black colored costumes because it was such an obvious departure. So much so that they mention it, where he's like, 
He's like, uh, is this a black black leather? He's like, well, would you rather yellow spandex? And I'm like, yes, motherfucker, I would like yellow spandex. That's what I want. I want that. And I do think that they were trying to ride off the Matrix back then because that had just come out, and like that was the kind of uh, that was the the action movie that preceded it that did so well, you know? Yeah, I know. I totally agree with Cat. Like, <clears throat> in that regard, I can totally get behind the cheesiness if they incorporate some of those awesome callbacks. Like, even though I didn't really like Apocalypse as a whole, I love the ending. When they're all in costume and like in the danger room, like I totally fangirled over that. So I could totally get behind that. Yeah, I know. Th- sadly, we're not going to see it though, only because I know that they said that they won't. So I don't want you guys to get sad. But to me, it kind of fits in because this is to me is like a is like a side. It's not an uncanny. If this was a comic, it wouldn't be uncanny X Men. It would be like a six issue limited series of like Mutant Town or something. It feels like more to me. Well, I mean, the what you're what we're talking about again is the pilot right and it's like it's like i was saying about gotham it's like for a while they were like it's gonna be jim gordon you're not gonna see batman you're not batman's gonna be like the last episode when he puts on the cowl and now the kid's like already dressed up as batman and he's like 16 he don't know shit he don't know shit about the league of shadows he don't know shit about pain and suffering not really like he doesn't know how that's really gonna damage him down the road. Like he hasn't gone through it. He's already got a practically a girlfriend in Selena Kyle. You know what I mean? So I think it'll depend on. You can say that, but I think it'll depend on how the series is received. I think it'll depend on the storyline. I think it'll depend on a lot of things. Um, you know, just give me like. And again, I don't need to see a costume on somebody, but I'd like to see a costume like as like they find one in a box. You know, like as like they're searching for what happened to the X-Men and things like that, because uh, that obviously would help them in their own journey. Um, and I think one of the one of the biggest things we can try to avoid in any comic book uh, property on, that's on television or film is trying to be the Dark Knight. That works because those characters were the essence of those characters. And on some level, they looked like those characters, you know, um, and Batman is generally dark anyway. But. I don't know. I, I, I agree with my Tay and Kat. I, I want the cheese. I think you do a disservice to the fans, even though they're a smaller group of people that you're trying to reach as opposed to a bigger group, which is the masses that don't really give a shit about any of that stuff. But just give me a little cheese. Okay, I, now now I was with you till everything until the last sentence because not I every, will f- the cheese. No, because not everything. Because <laughs> I've been a comic fan my whole life, and the cheese isn't necessarily what I like about my comics. No, but it is. It is something that because I think, I, but I think I respect that a lot of people do love that, and there are aspects of what I love. But I was with you on everything else. But if we're talking about family, like I'm not gonna diss my brother because I don't like like these certain parts of him. You know what I mean? Like that is part of a comic book. Whether or not you think it makes a comic book, that is part of a comic book, and that may not be that to you, but a big part of that is to me. You know, if we did Spider Man and it was just like him in a black outfit the whole time, I'd be like, man, fuck this shit, not Spider Man. I mean, besides the cheese factor, I think the costumes also signify the character's growth into accepting themselves as heroes and maybe perceiving themselves as heroes. So I think that'll be a really cool growth to see from the pilot into the series. And uh, going off what we said about Gotham and even Daredevil, I think it's funny because I'm pretty sure the Iron Fist showrunner said that they were never going to include a costume in the series. And then suddenly, like, they had all this backlash and they're like, wait, no, like, where's the costume? And then now they're like, oh, yeah, no, we're going to introduce it at some point. I, some of my favorite parts in the comics are also, just like you said, Justin, are when they don't wear costumes, either because they, it has the same feel as this, where they're on the run. So, of course, they need to look like anybody else. You know? So, that adds a lot of uh, good suspense uh, to it and is very street level. I think it adds some humanity to see them 
in, uh, to see them as a three-dimensional person. Sorry, Nolan. Sure. Well, also the moments when they just try to like live a have a regular afternoon in Westchester. You know, there's a great moment in Gen X like that. Uh, there's one, a great moment in New Mutants when they're like at the police station in Westchester interacting with people who don't know they're mutants. And of course, and those are some really great moments, I think. I particularly like the late 90s arc with all the plainclothes sentinels, the sentinels that are like uh, people being led by Bastion until suddenly their eyes glow and you realize they're sentinels. And that's all. That's all them on the run in regular clothes trying not to be recognized as mutants, you know? Um, you know, I kind of agree with what Neil Gaiman said when he was writing Sandman that, like, he wanted to create a character, even though they're a god or, like, a god of gods, a character who he could see himself uh, looking like this. I absolutely thought of that exact Sandman-Neil Gaiman thing, too. I, I was just going to say, going back to what you were talking about with seeing a character and seeing the humanity of them outside the, the costume, I think that while that provides, while you can provide, I think you can always get humanity through the costume anyway. I think it helps relate to a character when he doesn't have his costume on and or she doesn't have her costume on and they do something and it's like, oh, me too. But I think that one of the reasons, again, going back to Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman, one of the reasons why people didn't like that version of Superman is because Superman's humanity is best shown when he has that costume on. You know, um, sometimes these heroes, they make these decisions when they have these costumes on that really show their humanity. And those and all the stuff that you're talking about outside of the costume, that's amplified by what they do when they're when they're really doing their thing. You know, Spider-Man is still Peter Parker in that suit, but his personality is far more amplified when he's in that suit. Superman is Clark Kent, but he's really himself. That humanity that he grew up with is really him when he's on the field doing those things. Um, so, you know, Batman, every decision, how badass is it when Batman doesn't kill you? You know, when Batman decides the justice has to be the right way in defiance of what everybody else is telling him to do. There's a there's a an animated film called Justice League Doom where he's like, if you guys can't accept, he's like, I did this all to you. I had contingency plans. And if you can't accept that we need those, I don't want to be a part of this. And they're like, well, what's your contingency plan? And he was like, you, you know? And so these are like the moments outside of the costume, I think are only so special because we know who they are in the costume. And you don't need costumes to show who these characters are. Of course not. But again, it's kind of like, it's just getting rid of the whole pie. You know, it's crusts. It's filling. There's no sugar. You know, there's there's got to be a little bit of that because otherwise I can just make a different show. I can make push. I can make something. You don't have to put the X, you know, in over the I in gifted. Then let's not do that. Let's give us the cheese. Let's give us a little bit of what we want. Let's give it a, a little bit of what we know. So do you guys have any predictions for the future of the series? Everybody gets powers. Every, everybody's getting powers. At some point, everybody's getting powers. Uh, it's just what they do on these shows. Everybody gets special. And if, if, if it's not powers, somebody like the mother will learn Kung Fu. Like she's going to learn self-defense. They, they have like every single one of these shows. Claire Temple in The Defenders, she was on each every show. And now she like goes to Kung Fu and like you're going to have to put these characters in situations where you want to see them do a little something extra. And the actors are always like, yeah, I really want to see my character, like maybe get a power or something. And you know, the writers get to know them and they're like, Oh, okay, we're going to do that. I mean, just look at the flash. 
or Arrow. Everybody got a motherfucking power. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, this season on Riverdale, Archie turns into super fuckboy with the ability to fuck everybody. That's what he was last season anyway. And, but just everybody's going to get power is what I think. Whatever that power is, I was born with the exact opposite. It's not so much a prediction as a hope, but I really do hope that they delve into more of Lorna's backstory, given that she is one of the uh, earliest X-Men to have appeared in the comics. And I I think it has been confirmed that Magneto, I, I don't know, have have they said before that Magneto's not really going to be a part of it? But uh, I hope they at least- They, they have said that he is definitely her father. Okay. Oh, excellent. So I, I really am looking forward to them alluding to that. Yeah, I totally agree. I hope to see more of Lorna, and I hope that she's not just some side character that I don't really know how to incorporate into the rest of the series. Just because I thought in the pilot, like I said, I was expecting more of her, but I hope they give justice to all these awesome characters, especially when, um, you know, on the other network, the Inhumans kind of faltered in that, even though the Inhumans are, in my opinion, a really, really cool team, and they have a great uh, story. So I really hope... Wait, did you say the Inhumans are a really cool team with a really great story? I like the Inhumans. My Tay, I no one has ever in the history of my life just gone from 100 to zero. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I still love you. Um, but I can't believe you just said that. I'm not going to lie. We're going to have to have a whole other <laughs> podcast on you just saying that and the trauma that I've just experienced. <laughs> I'm teasing. Deepest apologies. I take it back. <laughs> you're, you're allowed. You're, you have, you're so awesome that you're allowed to love the Inhumans, even in oh, comic book form. Thank you. Thank you predictions for this show anyway this is gonna take like a really dark turn like out of left field but i really think one of the kids my prediction of right now is probably the boy will end up killing someone and then they'll have to deal with the ramifications of what that would be like i it's it's gonna happen like the they i know and i know the older sister thinks she has control of her powers but something will happen so, like something bad will happen and she'll use it in a way or he'll like not be able to control his anger and like force push like people into oblivion or something and it'll and then it'll just and they'll be like wow like what are we are we like even still people like, it'll be a whole thing and i i really am looking forward to that the uh the villain with those powers those would be good villain powers and and even if none of them turn evil, we need a mutant villain, right? Who's it going to be? Who's it can't just be the faceless government agency. We need a Mister Sinister, or you know, maybe a, a smaller time villain. Uh, I wonder. Well, I'm just thinking of Lorna's villain, Zaladane, which I hope they don't use because she's from the Savage Land. Yeah, and worships Garak, the sun god. They're going to get to Mexico, and and the the villain will be uh, the ICE agents that prevent them from coming back to the states um <laughs> that, that'll be what happens and then they'll say we should have gone to canada where people look like us what where does this white family get off going to mexico come on man they say we're going to mexico for what you don't want to go to mexico come on we i know who that guy voted for all right i know who the father voted for and he doesn't want to go to mexico i, I just want to give a shout out to that ringtone that we heard from the x-men the animated series does anyone want to anyone want to expand on this amazing thing that happened in my life well i would say that you know a lot of people know x-men through that animated series you know again i'm not the biggest comic fan but i watched that series um even as an adult went back and watched it i mean it's so prevalent that the wolverine staring at the picture of i think uh one of the x-men that that dies in the first episode is like a meme 
So that's like a huge thing. And um, and it, that sample actually is used in a lot of like rap songs and stuff like that. So that series is so strong. And again, you talk about like getting a little bit of that cheese, but they did that in uh, in Logan where you see the old X-Men comic books. So it's kind of, that was a nice way to embrace the past. And again, that's why this show is like, you know, even if there's no costumes, this is a superhero show, no doubt about it, because they're embracing the X-Men full force. Like... Okay, so let's do f- Chuck Mary, which is the nicer way to do f- Mary Kill. Um, you guys can do anyone who's over 18 in the show, um, or over 17, because this is New York. Just kidding. Um, not kidding, but I don't, I'm under 30. I'm not even into it anyway. Um, who wants to go first? Mara, you. Because <laughs> you'd be the most uncomfortable. I am the most uncomfortable, and I was hoping you could skip me. Well, can I just be their friend? Like, can't we all just be friends? I mean, you can, but what, you but two of the one of those friends you have to marry, and the other one, you know. Well, okay, as Chuck will be the easiest because I don't like the parents right. the best, so I would be the I'd be the most okay with them, like disappearing going on a long car trip that they don't return from um i i i genuinely don't know about the other two though i didn't like i was like watching this i was like y'all are cool but i don't know you that well so we'll come back to you i feel like if you'll think about it it'll come because I, I think i already have picked mine out for you um let's go maite you seem also uncomfortable with it, so <laughs> i guess i'm gonna be sharing this with my mom but uh i guess i would <laughs> kill the dad uh Wait, wow, you guys are so mean. You guys starting with kill. Okay, kill the dad. Okay. Um, oh, wait, that was Chuck, right? That was supposed to be Chuck. That was aggressive. Oh, man. Chuck the dad. Uh, Mary Blink. And I guess I'd. Um, I guess I'd fuck Marcus. Why not? Why not? We're not, right? Um. Okay, Nolan, how about you? Well, you know, that head ice agent just seems so strong. And so, like, he could really take care of you. Uh, the bald guy, you know? So maybe, uh, I don't know. Maybe if he's a good enough dom, I could fuck him or maybe marry him. Uh, <laughs> All right, no, I, you're, we're learning a lot about oh, you today. okay, just women. Okay. Uh, the, uh, no, I, no I, 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 I was more referring to the dom thing, but okay, go. You, uh, I mean, I, I guess I'd marry the mom. She seems like a good mom. Because I can actually, actually, I can see that guy doming you. Okay, go. You would marry the mom. The, you, you all don't seem to like her. She seems like a good mom to me. Um, I, I like her. She's just re- cheesily written. She, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess I'll go more controversial and say kill the boy, the the son, before he kills someone else. No, no one under seventeen. No one. We can't. We can't. We're not. We're not child. What is this? Breaking Bad? Or are you Walter White? We're not killing all children. All right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, you have to kill an adult. Kill the ICE agent instead of fucking him. Cause fuck the man. So kill him. Uh, and then um, uh, Lorna. Lorna's hot for sure. Fierce, you know. So, so you're gonna marry her or engage in? Uh, oh, oh, whoa! Okay, cool. Enjoy. Um, just make sure it's consensual. Uh, all right, Kat, all right. How about you? I thought about this long and hard. Thunderbird, Chuck, Papa Strucker, marry Thunderbird again. Oh fuck! Now, if you want to fuck Thunderbird, now I definitely don't have a chance with him. Oh man, all three of them are Thunderbird. You want so Chuck whole reason too? You 
Oh, I would kill him after. I mean, oh, uh, because then I would be done with oh, him. Um, okay, Andrew, you have uh, more to add. I would, I would marry Blink, because I often need to get out of situations. Wait, so I would kill her because Thunderbird looks like he has. No, I would marry so Blink, um, because she seems like she could help me get out of the hairy situations that I often find myself in. Um, and f- and vacations are nice, you know. That's cheap. Uh, if she knows how to do all that shit, um, I would kill the bald ice agent's partner because i didn't like his attitude when he was at the door he was like it means we're gonna come in and do whatever the fuck we want i was like motherfucker that's very aggressive stay like it's too early for the good cop bad cop shit you know what i mean like know your role just stay silent i'm yeah i'm very glad that that actor got a sag card for that role but you know that shit was weak uh, and I think you're all tripping, man. I really think that um, since they have no chemistry on screen, that those parents, all they do is fuck, you know? So I'm going to fuck both of them at the same damn time um, because I think that's the only thing they have in common besides their children. They clearly don't know each other. Um, and, and you know, they're both in great shape. And not bad looking people. So I'm going to go three way on the, on the, mari- on the, on the fucking. I'm a marry blink. And then to recap, Ice Agent, or well, not Ice Agent, but he might as well be Ice Agent. Uh, the, the Sentinel Agent, number two, with the bad haircut and poor shape up hairline. With all respect to everyone here, to me, that's the most astute observation I've heard about the show yet is that the parents don't know each other. Uh, something about that uh, I emotionally respond to because it, w- it was so true. So, uh, final thoughts on the series, yes or no? Did you like it? Well, actually, did you like it, yes or no? Do you want to see more? Are you going to watch it? I did like it, and I, um, if I have time, I will definitely be watching more of the series. Yeah, I, I, I liked it. Um, I, th- I give it like a, a, a solid 75 right now, uh, 7.5 out of 10. Um, and I'll be open to watching it some more, absolutely, and which is more than I thought it would. I'm going to keep watching. It definitely had more than I was expecting it was going to have, so I'm really looking forward to seeing where else it's going to go. I enjoyed it. I'm a little bit concerned it'll lose steam eventually, but I really hope it doesn't because I really enjoyed the pilot, so I guess we'll see what happens. I also had low expectations that were vastly surpassed. Um, I don't know why we all had so seemed to have such low expectations. Uh, please join us next week for what could or could not be, but probably will be, depending on how the traffic is for this episode, uh, The Gifted After Show, episode two from Comics First. Remember, you can find more podcasts like this, videos, interviews, articles over at comicsfirst.com. Don't forget to subscribe to us over at iTunes. And uh, yeah, we hope you have a great night, everyone, and definitely watch more Gifted. <laughs>